Good morning, everybody. Um, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, if I haven't met you before, my name's Tim. I'm going to share a message now for about half an hour or so. Uh, and we're in this series um, we're calling the Rivers Vision Series, which we started a few weeks ago. And kind of taking some time to say what, what's the purpose of why we're here as a church? Um, what's the thing that kind of unites everything that we do? Uh, what's the context that we want to sort of stay within and then seek God for how that could be expressed? And um, it's a pretty big picture, like we've been saying. Um, but the idea is then, then we start to fill in the blanks as a community and ministries and ideas and, and things got placed on people's heart then kind of work out of this. Um, so hopefully you're getting to know it a little bit. The vision is to see the kingdom of God realized by being a growing family. So saying we're here for God and God as king, and living with Jesus as king. It's because of who he is that we're here. Um, and we reveal him by being a family, by being a church community that is centered on him. And this family is made up of devoted followers of Jesus, or disciples, who love him wholeheartedly, who worship and love God first, and live as his people in the world. So then we represent Jesus to the world, and God's, God's plan is that through the church that we would be the light of the world and all people would see him and his goodness. Um, so the last couple of weeks, kind of been unpacking these big ideas of the kingdom of God, of church as family. Um, so that's kind of like the big context. And then we, we center then around these three things of worship and discipleship and mission. And we actually have a mission statement as a church that we've had for years, um, it was no, grow, go, and then we, we changed it to knowing, growing, going. And we're actually staying with, with that as, as our mission. That, and, but there's sort of, to, to unpack that a bit more, what, is it, what does that mean? What is knowing, growing, going? Kind of combined that with the vision statement and said, well, okay, we want to be a, a, here for the kingdom of God and to be a family. But then what are kind of the three purposes within that? Or what are kind of the three goals or three things we focus on? And it's that we are a community that's focused on knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly. That's actually where we start. And then growing as devoted followers of Jesus together. So we, we gather together and we seek to grow in following Jesus. And then going and living as his people in the world, which is representing him in our workplaces, in our families, in our schools. So that's kind of the mission. And what, what I'm going to do in this series is switch to this mission now, which kind of fits in with that vision statement as well. And we're going to go through this in order. So today, we're going to talk about this knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly. And a few weeks ago, I talked about this at, at the sort of overview, is that like we don't really separate these things. Like it's not like one part of the church is about knowing God and one part's about growing and one part's about... Go- like, these things are all together and, and you really can't separate them. They link together and we need all of them. Um, but in a sense, there is an order in that we start with God and knowing Him and then we sort of flow into growing and to going and it kind of grows us in knowing Him. These kind of th- all link together. But we're going to start here today. What does it mean to be a community that... One of our main goals and purposes of what we, why we exist and why we're here is that we want to be people who are knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly. So I'm going to kind of unpack this um, just bit by bit today and just look at a whole lot of different verses. We're going to pull some out of Psalm 27 that Tina just read out um, and just sort of just dwell on this idea. What does that really mean? Um, so yeah, before we get started, maybe I'll, I'll just pray and we'll just sort of position ready to... to um, 
yeah, engage with the Word and with God and His presence here. So, Father, we just thank you that, yeah, we get to know you and, and love you. And we just thank you for your Word that guides us and directs us um, as to what life's about and about what, what you've done in the world. And we just pray, God, that you would lead us as we look at your Word today, as, as we just center on what you're calling us to as a church. Yeah, would you speak to our hearts? Um, would you just enable our minds to focus? Uh, would you give us understanding? And just speak to us individually by your spirit. Um, so just ask that you'd be at work in our hearts in this time. In your name, amen. I don't know if you've ever had like the kind of icebreaker question um, when people ask you like, oh, if you could invite like four people around to dinner, like anybody, any history, who would you invite? Um, it's kind of a cool thing to think about. Like maybe... Um, someone famous, someone that's had a big influence on your life, uh, could be just a celebrity or maybe a, um, someone who's had a significant role in history. Um, but just thinking, like, who would you really like to meet? Who would you really like to get to know? Uh, and sometimes you even have experiences like that, where maybe you're at an airport and then you see someone and it's this person that you know about them, you've seen them on TV, maybe you've read their books, but then you get to see them and you get to meet them. And then most people will take like a selfie and put it on Facebook. Like, it's like that's really cool and exciting. Like there's this person that you've kind of known about, but then you get to actually meet them. And then sometimes you even experience you've known about this person, but then you actually really get to know them and maybe you become friends with them. And, and often people who are kind of really inspirational to us or have had a big impact on our life, there's kind of a real excitement and, and joy and even wonder about actually meeting them. Or actually getting to know them. It's pretty crazy that we actually have the opportunity of having that with the creator of the universe. That we actually get to not just know about God, but actually get to know God. We don't get to just know about Jesus, the man who's had the most impact in the history of the world, who, like the date that we have set is based from when he was here, we actually get to know him and have a relationship with him, which is a pretty amazing thing. And Jesus even said, this, this is actually what life is about. He said this in John 17, this is eternal life, the eternal kind of life, what life is really about, that they know you. He's talking to the Father, to God, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus came to reveal God and actually introduce us to his Father and to himself, that we could actually know him. That's pretty crazy. Like, like we would be impressed maybe meeting a celebrity or meeting someone who's had an impact on our life, but we have the opportunity to know the creator God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And this is not just like a small thing. Like sometimes we kind of, yeah, okay, yeah, we know that. We get to know God. Like, like we kind of just heard it lots of times. But this is saying, like, we get to know God, like the uncreated God, the, the being who has existed for eternity, who has no beginning, who has no end, who is holy and unique and, and, and set apart, who is the source of goodness and truth and beauty. Like, God, sometimes we can just use the word God so quickly and easily, but we're talking about 
someone way bigger and beyond what we could ever think about or imagine or conceive of. And you just kind of look at the sky and like that's nothing compared to God. And he just speaks this into existence. Like he's this, this powerful, almighty God. And we even see in the, in the story of the Bible, when people actually really meet this God and, and see what he's really like, it's a scary, powerful experience. That he, he is mighty. There's this story in, in Isaiah, of Isaiah who's this prophet who represents God, who knows God, but then he has this vision of God. It says this in Isaiah 6. In the year King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. This vision of these creatures that worship at God's throne and declare that he is holy, he is unique, he is perfect, he is completely other than we could ever imagine. He is full of glory. And Isaiah, when he realizes this, he kind of freaks out. It says, the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook. The temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, Isaiah is saying. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He recognizes just how mighty and, and holy and good God is, and then he recognizes just how far short he falls, and, and he's afraid. And there's this sense of awe and fear even of God. But then the story goes on and, and God heals him and cleanses him. And we see that God is this amazing being that's so much bigger than us. But at the same time, he is a being that's come and made himself known to us and actually revealed himself to us. And the main way he's done that is in, and through Jesus. It says this in John 1, No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. That Jesus, who is God, who is in close relationship with the Father, this God of unity of three in one, he's actually come and made him known. He actually has left heaven and come to earth. And we can actually know God because of Jesus. We actually look at Jesus and we get to know who God is and what he's like. And we're actually invited into this relationship with him. Mike Bickle says this, The great need of the church is to see, know, and discover the indescribable glory of who God is and how he feels towards us. But to actually know God is God. He is Lord. He is powerful. He is above all. And yet he's made himself known to us. And we can have this relationship with him. We can walk before him with confidence because of Jesus. We can actually know him. And this is not just like a, a, a knowledge like we know about someone, but actually a knowledge of experiencing, of knowing in relationship. When Jesus says eternal life is to know him, it means to actually have relationship with him. And not just that we would have relationship with him, but it would be a relationship of love. Actually, that life is about not just knowing God, but loving God. And that God would be the one that we love more than anything else. That he would actually be the ultimate desire and joy 
of our life because he's this wonderful, amazing person who we're actually made to know and find satisfaction in. So we don't want to just know about him, but actually, actually love him. James K.A. Smith says this, our wants and longings and desires, what we want, what we desire, what we love, are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. This is kind of saying that you can kind of, we can kind of believe things or, or think things, but often our life flows out of our heart and actually what we desire, actually what we love. And they're linked. What we believe influences what we love, and what we love influences what we believe. But it's not just that we need information about God. We actually need a heart that desires Him and loves Him. And if we have that, we will have a life that reflects Him and actually follows Him. So not just talking about emotion. We're talking about there is an aspect of emotion, of, of having affection and, and desire for God, but also action, that actually if we love him, we follow him, and we trust him, and we listen to him, because he's good. And Jesus, when asked, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing for a human to do? What's the most important command? Jesus says this, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. When Jesus asks, what's the most important command? He says to love God with everything. And again, this is not that we can just work hard at that. It's by his spirit and his grace that he shapes us to be people who love him. And actually loving God isn't disconnected from loving people. Actually, if we love him, we will love people and actually care for our neighbor, as he says. We see this even in that verse that, that Tina read before. Actually, David, if he could say the one thing that he wants, the one thing that he desires more than anything else, is to be with God. He's seen him. David knew God intimately. And he says about his life, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. David had a heart for God. If he's asked, what is the thing you want more than anything? David said, I want to be with God. I want to be in his presence. I want to adore him. I want to see his beauty. I want to know him deeply. I want to find security and trust in him. David knew about God, but also loved him completely. And this is, this is, this is what we're, we're called to, is not just to know about him, not just to know information, not just to say, that, that's good, yes, God, but actually what I really want is over here. It's actually, no, what we really want and are made for is him. Um, J.R. Packer has this, this book about knowing God. He kind of says, well, how, how do we change from there? How do we... Sometimes we kind of just know information about God. How do we let it actually affect our hearts and, and shape us and grow us to love him? One thing he says is this. How are we to do this? How can we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? He said, the rule for doing this is demanding but simple. It's that we turn each truth that we learn about God into a matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. He's saying we know about God. We read his word, we, we hear his story, we get to know what he's done, 
But then we don't just stop at information, but then we meditate. Actually, wow, that's who he is. And actually dwell on that. Actually think about God is holy. God is generous. Everything in life is a gift. And he gives his son as a gift. We meditate and then lead that to prayer. Thank you, God, for your gifts and your generosity and your love. And then to praise. That actually we don't just hear and learn, but actually talk to him. Actually relate to him. Actually dwell in his presence. So we actually grow as people who don't just know about him, but actually know him. Actually have a life with him. And not, not just on a Sunday when we're, we're in worship, but throughout all the day that we live life in relationship with God. At work, at home, all that we're doing is out of love, in his presence, growing with him. And again, that is a high goal. Like, that, that is, is not just like we're going to do that easily. But that's the direction. That's the journey. Actually, we're about growing in that direction, continually knowing and loving more and more. And the, the cool thing about that is that it's actually an adventure. Like we kind of like adventure and, and, and seeking and maybe having thrills or maybe exploring. Like there's kind of something really natural in humans about wanting to do things that are exciting and wanting to discover and wanting to, to search. And most people in life are, are searching for something. Um, maybe it's, it's trying to find it in relationship or it's trying to find it in, in career or in family. or there's some, there's some longing that needs to be satisfied and we're kind of on this search. And God says to David in that psalm to seek his face. The search is for God and not just to know him, but to know him intimately, to seek his face, to grow closely. David says, your face, Lord, I will seek. And we sort of search for lots of different things and kind of have these longings and desires that are there. And often we look for them in other things, like, like I was saying. Like we look for them in lesser things than God. Um, but we are made to only be satisfied in an eternal God. In a sense, we have unlimited need that can only be supplied by an unlimited God. Augustine, one um, guy who did that, he just went on this hunt and for search for satisfaction in other things, in pleasures, in things of the world, came to a place of recognizing actually it's in him is what we need. He says this, Thou hast made us for thyself. God, you've made us for yourself. O Lord, our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. That actually we have longings and desires that are actually only ever going to be satisfied in God. And actually even then, it's a continual knowing him even for eternity. And this is an adventure. That actually life is about something way bigger than the things that we dumb it down to. Where it's just career or family, pleasure, excitement, things, things that just are going to fail, that don't last forever. But actually life is about this pursuit and this growth in intimate relationship with God. Again, J.R. Packer says it this way, what makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective, something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this the Christian has in a way no other person has. For what higher more exalted and more compelling goal can there be than to know God. To say life is about knowing God and everything that happens is, is filtered through that lens that that's the ultimate pursuit. 
that that's the ultimate adventure of actually growing in relationship with that being, the uncreated God who loves us and would send him his son for us. So there's an adventure to this, this knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly. That said, though, there's also a battle. Again, we might sort of say, okay, yep, no God, that sounds fine. But it's actually the core battle of life. It's the core adventure of life, and it's the core battle of life. It's actually not simple. It's actually the, the place where there's the most struggle. It's actually the place where there's actually forces against us knowing and trusting God. It's actually not just a light, easy thing. It's actually quite significant. See this in Colossians. Paul talks about contending. I want to know how hard I am contending for you. He's, he's struggling. He's contending that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so they may have the riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul's talking about a church he's leading, and he's, he's struggling. He's kind of battling with them and, and fighting for them in prayer, that they would know Jesus, not, not just about him, but they would know him intimately, that they would trust him, that they would love him. Larry Crabb talks about this as well. That actually, really, the core battle of life is to really trust and know God. He says this, the community of God, the church, has no higher calling than to seize the opportunity to experience God. Our fiercest battles are fought when we seek with all our heart to trust God so fully that we see every misfortune as something he permits and wants to use. So even when things go wrong, when there's problems, when there's issues that arise, that even in that place we trust God. To know him so richly that we turn to no one and nothing else to experience what our souls long to enjoy. That we stay on that adventure of trusting and knowing him and not turn to other things or, or turn away from him, but stay trusting and knowing and desiring to experience what we want in him. To love him so completely and with such consuming passion that we hate anything that comes between us and eagerly give it up. That like David, the one thing is to be with him and know him. And if there's things that get between that, even like Adrian was saying before, that we get rid of them. That, that, that we, we let them go because we want to be with him and know him. He says that's actually a core battle. And it's actually, often we sort of think of, of secondary battles. Often we sort of think about our problems that are significant, whether they're health problems or whether they're relational problems or financial problems. We all have problems that we deal with. But the core battle is not to fix those problems, but in the midst of them to still know and relate well to God. In the midst of them to trust him and know him and love him. In the midst of them even to use those as opportunities to know and love him better. And that, that's a full-on battle. Like, that is not an easy thing. That, that is something that needs God's power and spirit. It needs a community. It needs, it needs support and intimate relationships to, to help us with that. But there's something that's cool about that, in that if that's the core battle, actually these other issues sometimes lose some of their power. J.R. Packer again says this, Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. Actually, when we realize, actually, the main thing is knowing and trusting and relating well to him, 
the secondary battles that are, that are still significant lose some of their power. And actually, even the worst things that can happen, God can still be at work. And God can be known in a new way. God can be encountered in a special way in the midst of a, a difficulty that he isn't when things are just fine. But actually, even the problems of life can be fuel to grow dependence and trust and intimacy with him. So knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly is actually an adventure. It's actually this, this high call to a life of intimacy and trust with this, this amazing God. And as a battle, it, it, it needs strength, it needs support, it needs community. It's so easy to sort of just cover over it with a Band-Aid and say, it's fine, just trust God. It's like, no, actually, that's a full-on thing to do sometimes. Like, it actually needs a lot of support and strength to trust and love God in hardship. But that's actually the call. And I guess even today, hearing this, and even I've been feeling a bit like this, even preparing this this week, you kind of hear something like this, and we kind of think, okay, well, let's get to it, like, all right, we need to know God and we need to kind of work up some love for him or like we need to get the passion going. And it, it's kind of, you start to do that and then sometimes it's kind of like, oh, there's not much there. Like you start to realize actually we're more excited about other things. Maybe our hearts are not at that level of wanting to know him and love him. And maybe we try and we think we just need to psych up and we just need to make it happen and it just doesn't really work. And so maybe we go to the other side and we just sort of start to despair and sort of say, well, I don't seem to experience God or know God very well or love him very well and just sort of give up and just, just pull away. And again, both of those, it's kind of starting with us and saying, well, yeah, this is the goal, but thinking that we've got to make it happen. But actually, the way to grow in this is to start with him and actually recognize that He's God, but he's not this God that's just far away, that, that's just like up in the sky, that's just distant. He's present. He's actually present here. And he's not a God that we have to try and get his attention. He, he's interested in us. He actually knows us better than we know ourselves. He actually knows you. He knows everything about you. He, he's made each of us and knows every step of our journey and every desire of our heart and knows all the things that we think about. He knows us intimately. And it's not that we've just got to work up some love for him. It's that he actually loves us. He, he actually has affection and, and, and kindness and compassion and love towards us. He actually knows everything and yet loves and has demonstrated that in the most powerful way by sending his son this amazing holy god has sent his son and and sacrificed his one and only son jesus has given his life that's the love of god it's actually not that we have to work up some love it's actually we just need to focus on the fact that he knows us he's interested in us he loves us we love because he first loved us it's actually when we recognize that he's god and he knows and loves us with a, with a great love, a steadfast love, a faithful love. That can actually shape us and grow us in love and desire and, and, and um, in wanting to go to know him more 
Mike Bickle says it this way, we will never have more passion for God than we understand that he has for us. We will never be more committed to God than our understanding of his commitment to us. It's actually reflecting on his love for us as a father, that as a perfect father, he loves us with that kind of fatherly, passionate, loving commitment. Um, if in the New Testament talks about Jesus' love for his church like a husband for a bride, again, it's a passionate, uh, fierce, jealous love. That it, he's not a passive God. He's just sort of distant. He, he's active and involved and loves and is interested. It's actually as we reflect on that, as we start with him and his response to us, it can shape our heart to grow to know and love him wholeheartedly. So that, that's, that's what we want to keep as a focus as a church, that we're a community that, that firstly is here to know God and to love God, that God would be the first thing on our hearts, God would be the one that we're most passionate about, he would be the one that we're devoted to more than anything else. And from that place, we, we follow him and we represent him. But it starts with knowing him. It starts with relating to him. It starts with worshiping him. It starts with being together as we seek him. So I'm going to pray and, and um, maybe invite the band to come back up. And um, yeah, let's, let's just really seek and, and ask for God to just be working in our hearts as we seek to grow in this. Father, we just thank you that, yeah, you are a God who is so much bigger and beyond our imagination, yet you've made yourself known. We thank you, God, that even though you know us and our failures and our fault and our sin, you love us and because of Jesus, forgive us as we come to trust in you. We just ask, God, that you would empower us by your spirit to go on the adventure of knowing you and loving you. God, would you strengthen us in the battle to trust you and relate well to you in whatever situation we're in? And would you grow us as a church, God, that this would be our priority, a community that is here to know and love you, um, to worship you, to delight in you? God, would we even be people who can say like David that the one thing we desire is to be with you in your presence? Um, so would you do that work in our hearts, what we can't do? Um, would you lead us and just... Help us to know you in that way. And we just pray this in your name. Amen.